Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, "What the f are you talking about? You insane Hollywood ass." So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Full episodes of the Not A Diving podcast will resume next Tuesday, 25th April. This is the Not A Diving podcast. Cuts. Originally broadcast on episode 26 with MJ Cole. You know, I made Sincere the record pretty early on. It's probably like in the first five or ten tunes that I ever made, you know. And I did that in my bedroom. Wow, really? <laughs> yeah, I did that in my bedroom with a Atari ST with Cubase and then just a... Akai sampler and nothing else. In fact, I found it the other day. I've still got the DAT recording um, from my bedroom where I've just connected one lead from the sampler, like just the left-hand side to the <laughs> left-hand side of the DAT machine. So it's just like one side. And it's pretty much all there, I think, because I, I got to use the studio in Dalston at night. Who did the vocal, though? That's from a sample CD. There was a sample CD called killer vocals too and it was just t tons of little bits of vocals really? yeah and it's actually the 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 lady singing on it it's actually two different women nova casper and jd they were kind of the vocalists on this sample cd and if you actually look into all the different bits of that sincere record it's actually two different voices it's just bits from all over the sample cd sort of strung together um, so yeah, I did that in my bedroom, just an Akai sample. And then because I was working in the studio in Dalston, I had access to go in there. So I remember when I did Sincere, um, I kind of programmed it up at home, just the main mix, went into the studio, um, you know, loaded up my samples there. And I think I added like a sort of Rhodes line over the top, um, a couple of bits and then mixed it down. And then I did the the dub mix like the same night i used to do that go to the studio with something prepared 
sort of mix it down properly and then it would be normally sort of two in the morning or something and I'd be like right I'm going to do a dub mix and I'd do a dub mix in you know three or four hours or something um, on the back of having mixed down the vocal one it was kind of quite nice because it felt like you had the vocal one in the bag and you'd finish that and then the dub was just like playtime. it was like do whatever you want you've got one in the bag just do something rough and quick and ready and I think that's where a lot of the you know, dubs came from. Yeah, that was the thing, wasn't it? It's a vocal mix and dub mix. It doesn't really happen like that so much anymore. But that was that was absolutely it. Yeah. I've started doing that again more recently, actually. Yeah, the last things I had out, you know, in the last month, um, you got me in... Um, what's the other one called? I've forgotten now. I need. I did. I did dubs of those, which were you know like I used to in the old days, spelling a dub with two Bs. So yeah, I'm kind of getting back into that now. It's nice when you're doing mixes of things to have something that's not feel you're trying to compromise. That you can do a vocal mix or a more sort of radio listening mix. Uh, and not kind of have to try and make it harder or bumpier or more club ready and then just go completely the other way with a dub and think, right, I don't need any vocal. I'm just going to make something that I'd want to stick on a platter and play, you know. Absolutely. Okay, so basically by the time Sincere came out, which was like 98, I believe, I'm fairly sure it was then. Yeah, probably, yeah, yeah. Like Garage was just a huge thing and it just taken off and it was there was loads of tunes in the charts and there was you know it was just you know it was the big thing in the kind of UK I guess underground quite quite underground club circuit but not just underground obviously as I mentioned like tunes in the charts all over the place so prior to Sincere how much how much DJing had you been doing because obviously Sincere was this huge thing and I have a question about that but like before that came out like where were you sort of career-wise in in terms of like yourself as an as an artist as a sort of solo artist i mean um nowhere i was just a, a studio monkey basically making tunes with other people um and then i had decks at home and i'd just be playing jungle and drum and bass at home and then going to work and and kind of making garage records and so i didn't ever dj as a garage dj until you know sincere came out and i started um doing a load of remixes and things like that so it all came from that and you're right it's going back to what you said earlier i kind of i've never thought of myself as a dj i get quite i get a bit funny when you know you meet someone in your family or something and they go oh you're a dj aren't you it's like <laughs> no i'm not a dj i'm a musician you know i make music is what i do and then djing is like a fun add-on bit you know and I, I i feel quite strongly about that i don't know there's probably some psychological reason for it but um yeah i definitely think of myself as being well, uh, i mean djs have a bit of a bad reputation don't they y- yeah i mean i prefer I, I prefer making music than just playing other people's i think what it is you know i love djing but um y- if i had to choose one it would be studio 10 times over easily okay so so basically sincere hits and it's a massive tune immediately. I, well, that was my perception of it anyway. Like, what was it like for you? Like, when when it was coming out, did you know it was going to be a big track? Because sometimes it's difficult to difficult to predict. You know how a track's going to do. Yeah, I mean, I had no idea about that record. I um, I remember having made it and taking it to a distributor with my manager at the time, and um, playing them that record and they were like it's all right you know you should make something a bit more like this so it kind of got knocked back and I just thought oh that's cool you know it's just I'm I'm 
you know, just making stuff, see how it goes. And it was, I think it was, um, you know, basically I, there was a guy called Arthur who ran vinyl distribution in Reading and had the record basement and a studio there, the one that had the lathe in. He kind of heard this record somehow and he sort of took me under his wing and I kind of left that sour um, camp and kind of defected to the the record basement camp. And so I, I, I was just going driving to Reading and doing nights in the studio there. And it was the guy after there who, who heard the Sincere record. And so it first, when it first came out, it came out on Metrics Records, which was his own record label. And that was all very much through Reading. And then um, Pete Tong got sent it, heard it somehow. And apparently, you know, he I think he made it his essential new tune like three weeks in a row or two weeks in a row or something like that. But I had no idea who Pete Tong was. I didn't know. I'd never listened to his radio show. I didn't know what essential new tune was. And I think it all just started going a bit mad from there. But I, I had no idea. It was kind of great. I had no expectations. So it you know. wasn't... So hang on a sec. Let me, let me, sorry, let me just cut in and ask you. So it wasn't played loads on promo wasn't played on dub by you know the garage guys it wasn't like that at all well i uh, do you know what i think it yeah it was played on dub i remember jason k um was probably the first person to cut a dub of it um and i remember hearing him play at powerhouse in tottenham or somewhere around that i remember going along and hearing him play it for the first time so yeah there were dubs that had been cut um and that must have been how you know, Arthur at Record Basement Vinyl kind of heard it. I'm not. I'm not sure really. I was just pretty much. You know, I was just interested in going to the studio, <laughs> and that was it. You know, I just. I just. What? That's all I wanted to do. I wasn't really interested in like having a big record or. No, I, I, I'm. I'm getting that. Getting that impression. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but I heard about this Pete. Sorry, no, no, I heard ahead. about this Pete Tong thing and that everyone's kind of making a massive deal about it. And I'm like, well, I what does that mean? But then it all started to go a bit mad from there. And, you know, that's when I started my prolific recordings record label as well. Probably 97, I did the early stuff like Flavor Fever, Talk To Me, Guilty. All that stuff came from the, that studio in Reading. Um, and I remember, you know, it's funny, I can remember exactly where I made all my all my records so you know in Dalston at the, the early days that's where I did Sincere that's where I did all the VIP EPs with all those um, DJs that I mentioned before and then I kind of went to Reading and I'd done Sincere already but that's kind of what got me into Reading and then in Reading I did um, started my label like I said before Talk To Me Talk Box um, Guilty Flavor Fever I did Your Mine with Guy Simone there I did things like the um uh, Glamour Kids remix, I remember doing that. Nights Over Egypt remix in that studio. Um, and then I started I started using another studio in, in Soho Square. Um, and yeah, it's, it's funny, isn't it? Basically, all I talk about is studios because that's kind of like all I knew. I wasn't really, I wasn't really interested in like, yeah, I want to go out to this night. It's kind of, I guess it's sort of, it feels like I did my going out and raving between the ages of like 16 and 22 and for me that was all drum and bass and jungle that's all it was and then so when the garage thing came along it kind of was like extension of the studio it was a completely different world so I didn't really live 
socially in that world, I was just a studio junkie, basically. He was just salivating to kind of, uh, you know, make the next record. And I'd hear records out and I'd get, you know, super jealous. I'd be like really envious, like, oh my God. I remember hearing a Zed Bias record. I think it's Standler Hoodlum. Um, you know, reflex action, like a snake, like a snake, like a snake. Hearing that and just, I remember playing that in Reading because they were vinyl distributors, right? So they had all the vinyl there and they were doing the sales on the phone next door. And they the way they used to do it, and it was like they had a, a deck, a normal landline phone. They'd ring up the record shops and play them the records down the phone. They'd be like, yeah, yeah, I'll take two boxes of that, one box of that. So they had all these things lying around. I think I heard that. Zed Bias thing then and I was just like mate how's he how's he made this record it's like 10 times better than what I can do and that just kind of inspired me it's like right I'm going in tonight I'm going in tonight I'm going to do something better than that you know so that was sort of my existence really Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. <laughs> 